Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening in. We're going to talk about the week that was uh, for NFL Week 15 and talk about Championship Week for Fantasy Football as well coming up. A lot to kind of digest and and piece through uh, because uh, with this uh, being the holiday season, Christmas uh, right around the corner, uh, the NFL schedule is all over the place. Uh, You've got the... First game starting on Friday uh, on Christmas Day. Uh, you got a couple of Saturday games, uh, and then obviously Sunday, and then a Monday night game. So you got multiple days of uh, games going on. But let's talk about Week 15 because this is something, and it's very important to kind of digest. Uh, I wasn't able to get to this uh, because of late breaking news, but. You know, it decided a lot of fantasy football matchups, and it's just a lesson learned uh, when you're kind of going through stuff about staying on top of things because that can mean the difference between winning and losing in certain contests, whether it's uh, daily fantasy or actual season-long fantasy. Uh, we we did have news, and I'll even talk about what it impacted me for uh DFS purposes, um, yeah, because uh, my uh, my DraftKings and FanDuel lineups were very much impacted by late breaking news that I was trying trying to resist, and it ended up costing me. But uh, I'll explain why uh, the thought what the thought process was. All right, so uh, in terms of uh, week 15, you had some major upsets uh, that went down, and and part of it was due to the Jets actually winning a game and, and beating the Rams, which cost them, in all likelihood, Trevor Lawrence uh, because of uh, Trey's schedule. I got into that as well, but uh, here's the thing about that game. Because the Rams were trailing throughout the entire game, the Rams never, the Rams were never ahead. They, they, the Jets won wire to wire. It's one of the most random bets you'll ever see. But throughout the course of the year, the Jets had been one of the most efficient teams in scoring on their first try. So actually, uh, Jets score first is one of the most efficient bets in the entire NFL season, even though the Jets had been winless the entire year up until that point. But the one thing I will say about that, above all else, is the fact that, you know, you had uh, this game where the Rams were 17-point favorites. Cam Akers was a chalk pick. For many people from daily fantasy sports, so it wasn't me, but uh, there were many other folks touting that. And also from a season-long fantasy, 
Cam Akers was basically considered a lock RB1 to plug into lineups. And the logic made sense. The Jets were winless. The Rams are a run-first team. Cam Akers had established himself as the lead back. And so they were just going to run it down the Jets' throat, ad nauseum, lather, rinse, repeat. Sounds simple. When the Rams went behind and still couldn't get anything going because Jared Goff just could not do anything to save his life, that changed the entire dynamic of uh, of the games. Like it, it, it just did. There, there really wasn't anything left to say. Uh, you know, when the numbers ended up breaking down, and you kind of go through it, Cam Makers ended up being. Uh, you know, he he did get hurt during the course of the game. But, you know, with his original projections, uh, Cam Akers was uh, projected to be in that 15 to 16 point range, uh, depending on your scoring site. But, you know, that was a good chunk of change. Cam Akers barely got six points before he got hurt. And he did play a a good portion of that game. So it's not as though uh, he got hurt early. He played a good portion of the game. It's just that. The Rams just couldn't do anything on offense. So, what happened uh, with some other news? Two pieces of information that I came across. Ezekiel Elliott for the Cowboys got ruled out, which meant Tony Pollard got the start. And that was a big piece of news. Because as much as I just kind of looked at it, you know, I still thought with San Francisco's defense, it wasn't significant enough news to move the needle. Even with their injuries, I thought the uh, I thought the 49ers defense against uh, a banged up Cowboys offensive line had the advantage there. I really didn't think it was going to be... Uh, that significant of news ended up being disastrous for me. Other piece of news, Chase Edmonds uh, getting activated. Now, who's Chase Edmonds, you may ask. Chase Edmonds is a running back for the Arizona Cardinals. And some of you are going to be saying, but I thought Kenyon Drake was the main running back for the Arizona Cardinals. There's the devil in the details. Uh, before Chase Edmonds got hurt, uh, Kenyon Drake was slowly being uh, shifted out of the offense. I I ended up kind of getting uh, getting caught uh, caught with this news on Chase Edmonds because you know I was still kind of following uh, the one o'clock games. I really didn't pay close enough attention to Chase Edmonds getting cleared. And being told that he's full, ready to go, I kind of looked at it from the standpoint of, you know, I thought it got cleared, but I thought it was more of a, uh, yeah, we, we made him active, but, you know, realistically, he's going to be more of a decoy. Like, I really didn't do enough due diligence on how clear he was in terms of taking uh, taking back more ownership of that offense. Because as it kind of stood out, you know, Edmonds was getting a little bit more traction 
the way things played out. So what does that actually mean in terms of uh, the way uh, the way the the actual uh, scenario broke down? It meant from a value standpoint, from uh, DFS purposes, uh, Tony Pollard put up over 30 points and, you know, convincingly put it up over 30 points uh, because he had uh, he had uh, two touchdowns. Uh, on uh, twelve yards, uh, twelve yard, uh, twelve uh, carry, sixty nine yards, uh, two touchdowns. But he also caught six passes for sixty three yards. Nine targets, six catches, sixty three yards. I mean, you dream about those t- kinds of days uh, for your RB one to get that from a backup. He, he, the, the thing that was a backbreaker is that Tony Pollard was fifty two hundred. Uh, uh, on uh, DraftKings FanDuel pricing wise, uh, hold on, I had uh had this up before, uh, but uh, you know, FanDuel pricing. Ah, yes, that's right. He was even cheaper on FanDuel. He was only four point seven on FanDuel, and I mean, I oftentimes talk to you guys about with uh, daily fantasy sports. Sometimes it's not about the players. Sometimes it's just about the mathematics of uh, managing the budget and the opportunity cost. The thing was, I just kind of pull uh, pushed aside Tony Pollard because I really thought that the Niners' defense was going to be still mostly in control of that matchup. Not having any shares of Tony Pollard is just disastrous. It was it was just a disastrous play by me. I should have at least accounted for that in some of my lineups. That's a mistake on my part. Uh, just because uh, from an upside uh, downside standpoint, I could have at least made a little bit of a transition between some of uh, my uh, breakdown because the news came out an hour before it came out. So there was still time to make adjustments. What? Uh, and that's where you start seeing, in terms of uh, skill level, like more savvier veterans will make that adjustment. I just kind of made the assessment that people were going to pivot to Pollard, but I really didn't think it was going to matter all that much. Ended up backfiring. But, you know, thought process-wise, you know, I, I understood the, the value of it. I just uh, really wanted to kind of go in a different direction. It just didn't pan out. What can be considered a lesson learned is just in terms of number of entries and playing a different style, what I could have done more was hedge uh, against the news by playing some additional lineups. If I built them out uh, in that last hour, that would have mitigated uh, the damage uh, in a way because I, I felt really good about my lineups. But that kind of news is impactful enough that it should bear bear in mind. So, you know, that's just kind of lesson learned for me. But just for you guys in general, you know, the downside of certain uh, uh, scenarios not uh, playing out uh, can be detrimental. So from where my fault in the lineup construction ended up being on focusing so much on a game stack where a lot of things can go wrong, but really the conditions I thought were pertinent to what uh, 
was sizing out to be a slate-breaking kind of game, and that was the Saints-Chiefs uh, game where high total uh, in the low 50s, um, a lot of action coming in on the uh, betting on the over. You got it in a dome. You got you had Drew Brees returning. You obviously have Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs offense. You know, there were a number of scenarios that should have played out uh, in terms of uh, a very high-scoring game. What we didn't know is that Drew Brees was nowhere near close to 100%, uh, despite reports from, and man, Ian Rapport, like, bruh, you, you got to be taking some outs, man. It's like, you can't be misreporting bad news time after time after time and not take any uh, any flack for it. I, I mean, I don't know what the Saints told Rappaport, but there's no way Breeze was 100% and he reported it as such. I mean, it's just bad. It's just bad. There's no getting around it. There's no way Breeze had any uh, business being out there on Sunday. And the fact is, the Saints have Jameis Winston right there. The Saints have a viable quarterback in Jameis Winston, who technically is their best option at this point, because Breeze, his ribs look compromised. You could tell he could not throw down the field even more than before. He is compromised. Taysom Hill cannot run an offense. We've seen that story play out enough times. Uh, I could tell that's part of the reason why they rushed Breeze back, but he ain't ready to go, folks. Like The Saints, realistically, may need to start uh, seriously contemplating playing Jameis Winston weeks 16 and 17 uh, right now. You got games against Minnesota. You got The Saints are the first game on Friday. Realistically, uh, there should be a Jameis Winston start on Friday at least to give Breeze a little bit more time to recover. And then uh, week 17, you got a game against Carolina. Maybe that could be the get-right spot for Breeze, but he ain't ready yet. He clearly isn't ready yet, and that wasn't rust. That was, I'm physically impaired. I can't do this right now. Like, it's just that simple. So, to me, the choice is simple. It's Jameis Winston, week 16 and 17, and hope Breeze is ready for the playoffs. You've given the Taysom little experiment enough time. Like, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. It just impairs the entire offense. And they even still, they they gave uh, attempts to Taysom when he didn't deserve it. And, yeah, they, they barely lost to the Chiefs. But, man, like, again, an actual well-prepared Saints offense could have won that game. The defense played well enough to win that game for them. Despite giving up 32 points, I thought the uh, Saints defense played excellent against the Chiefs. That was part of the reason why the game stack went by uh, the wayside because uh, the Saints defense played so well that it really did limit the volume for uh, the Chiefs. So, yeah, all things considered, you know, you uh, you hit the over barely, but... Uh, the Saints defense played well. DFS-wise, the uh, the Chiefs players did not have a good day. Uh, you know, Mahomes, while not frosty, did not light the world on fire. Tyree Kill was a buzz. Like, there were, it was a very painful uh, 
game stack for me on Sunday. But, uh, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, what did go off? Again, I told you about the late-breaking news with uh, Pollard and Chase Edmonds being so cheap. Uh, You had Savan Ahmed for uh, Miami also putting up numbers. Like The the late scratches is something you have to be mindful of as you approach the late-season windows as teams have less to play for. Uh, You know, that's why I don't take a lot of stock in Christian McCaffrey news at this point because we've been through this story enough times. Like, if he wasn't ready to go yet, why is he coming back from week 16 and 17? Like, to at this point, it's just Mike Davis and just live with it. I, I just don't, I don't see it. I really don't see it. So, uh, from my standpoint, you know, it's just one of those uh, cases where, uh, it, it kind of ends up being uh, uh, a wash. I, I just think, you know, truth be told, this ends up being a, a case where, you know, you've got uh, quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of uh, news to kind of be mindful of for uh, the next two weeks because it, it it can change certain slates on the dime as it did on Sunday because you know realistically what ended up being the mill uh, milli maker lineup you know, hinged on that news. So uh, kind of walking back through uh, the slates, uh, uh, both uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you what the Millie Maker lineups were because, it, you know, it ended up being a case where, again, reaction to late-breaking news and just taking advantage of it. So, all right. So here's the million dollar lineup on DraftKings. At QB, you've got Jalen Hurts at 5,900. And yeah, it's just a monster game against the Cardinals, who, terrible defense. But, you know, again, with DFS, you don't care about the actual player itself uh, so much as uh, uh, the uh, matchups he's going up against. But Hurts, you know, he completed his short passes. Uh, you know, yards at the catch was big for the receivers. But, hey, you know, you get to be the beneficiary of that. He didn't scramble as much as he did previously with the 63 rushing yards. But when you throw for over 300 yards, uh, you know, that kind of takes care of itself. But, uh, yeah, the Cardinals were bad. But I I look at Hurts, again, as a viable option next week in uh, overall fantasy. You know, I, again, this is... One of those things where, you know, you kind of ride the hot hand and you can't necessarily get as caught up on certain things. But um, I'll, I'll get to regular fantasy in a bit. But just kind of going down the lineup for DraftKings again, Hurts at QB. He was in the optimal, the 900. Um, you know, in terms of uh, the this Millimaker lineup, uh, you had David Montgomery, 7,000 on DraftKings, uh, 32 points. Uh, just, you know, two rushing TDs. That's basically the story. Uh, you know, ran for 140 yards. Like, you know, I saw lineups where David Montgomery beat out uh, Dalvin Cook in fantasy playoffs. 
there's no way anyone would ever say that, that Dalvin Cook would actually get outperformed in a game by David Montgomery, but here we are. DeAndre Swift, running back for the Lions, 6,400, put up 23 points. You know, uh, I... And it wasn't even that he had a monster day catching the ball. I mean, two rushing TDs. Sometimes it's just opportunity cost. Uh, you know, uh, the Lions were getting blown out by the Titans, and yet still DeAndre Swift ended up in the optimal. Like, I wasn't on him because I figured Derrick Henry was going to smash the Lions' defense. This game would be out of reach. Why would I play a running back in a catch-up spot uh, with the Lions? But... The Lions still kept feeding Swift the ball, even though they were down four touchdowns. I, I, again, I some of these teams, I, I, I just, I, I give up uh, trying to explain it with logic. It, it, it doesn't really track. This was the decision point for me that got me burned. Uh, Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins. I went with certain lineups with DeAndre Hopkins when I was playing Hurts. Uh, uh, it was actually my best lineup overall, all things considered. But uh, I'll get into why my lineups failed. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley actually outperformed DeAndre Hopkins, but DeAndre Hopkins, depending on the site, outperformed uh, uh, Calvin Ridley. Again, this is where scoring format makes a difference. Uh DeAndre had 34 points on DraftKings. We'll get to FanDuel in a moment. Calvin Ridley had 35.3 points on DraftKings. Uh, They both had a touchdown. DeAndre had 169 yards receiving versus 163 for Ridley. Again, that's going to make a difference um, uh, because of the scoring formats. Uh, But, yeah, they both had monster games uh, without question. But... uh, you know, with DraftKings, because you get the extra point uh, and the uh, yardage bonuses, uh, it it does uh, it does uh, give them those two receivers a boost over the rest of the competition. Because uh, you know, uh, not everybody got to the hundred yard mark from a receiving standpoint. Uh, obviously, for the top lineups, but uh, you know, Corey Davis was one. Uh, you know, 5,800 was not on again. I was on the Derrick Henry uh, portion of this, I was not focusing on game stacking, uh, the passing attack for Tennessee versus uh, passing uh, with the Lions. You know, again, the, you have to think about different game scripts and. This was the kind of game script that was in mind here. I, I see where they were going. So you uh, you have Corey Davis. You run it back uh, with uh, DeAndre Swift uh, on the Lions, as well as Marvin Jones, uh, who was 5,700 on DraftKings. He had a nice day, 10 receptions, 112 yards, and a receiving touchdown. I mean, 30 points from a 50... 50- 5k player i mean you you're 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 talking tremendous value then we get to the tight end spot this is where i really got hurt uh focusing on kelsey so much not that he had a bad game but it you know with the price tag that's what it comes down to um logan thomas 
had the best day amongst the tight ends. 26 points at 4K salary. All Dwayne Haskins did for that game was check down to Logan Thomas, and I should have seen it. I was playing McLaurin, uh, Terry McLaurin, and I should have been thinking more about Logan Thomas, and that's something that really irks me because I've been on Thomas a lot this year, and I wasn't on him this week, and I should have seen it with Seattle's secondary. I I thought the play was McLaurin, and realistically, Haskins couldn't get it done down the field of McLaurin. He checked it down to Logan Thomas, and that's that made all the difference. It man, that that one burns. Um, just because I was on Thomas so much this year, and I, I was definitely underweight on him this week. Um, but twenty six points at, uh, for Logan Thomas uh, in the flex spot. Play Darnell Mooney uh, for. Uh, the Bears, uh, 3900 which is pretty much the rationale for playing him. Uh, at the, uh, the salaries, uh, you're kind of running down the line of how much money you got left on the roster. At 3900 still had enough room to actually play uh, Emmanuel Sanders, which was the chalk play. But Mooney came in under 3% owned. Sanders, 20% owned, which is where I went because I was game stacking the Chiefs, uh, uh, the Chiefs Saints game. Uh, Sanders, you know, put up 11 points. Like, there's nothing wrong with what Emmanuel Sanders did. It's just that that's not going to win you uh, a huge pot at a tournament. Um, Darnell Mooney, 16 points, so receiving touchdown, a couple of catches. You know, that'll get it done at 4K. The pretty much at uh, thirty nine hundred, uh, you know that's uh, what you're looking for. And then finally, uh, for defense, uh, you know there were better defensive options. They uh, could have played the Cowboys, but went with uh, the Seahawks. And I'm guessing is because he was expecting turnovers from Dwayne Haskins, which we certainly got on Sunday. Uh, two picks, uh, a couple of sacks for the uh, Seahawks defense, uh, nine points. But overall, uh, total score of two thirty seven. And that will get it done, uh, you know, in certain weeks. Uh, and, you know, for Millimaker lineup and, uh, you know, it, it kind of comes down to the thought process of sometimes you got to uh, space it out in a different way uh, to get uh, to the pricing you're looking for. Now, over on FanDuel, uh, what we came up, uh, came across was the fact that, uh, you know, Again, you're talking about different matchups and what uh, can make sense uh, as, as you're going through uh, the process. And, you know, again, Tony Pollard is where this is factoring in, and I, I still get nightmares on this one. Jalen uh, on FanDuel, you know, <laughs> Jalen Hurts... 6,900 on FanDuel, which I played. I had Jalen Hurts. Uh, that that was an issue. I did very well. Uh, just because uh, from a saving standpoint, you know, I had fewer options on FanDuel, and I thought Jalen Hurts made sense. Uh, 6,900, uh, you know, very profitable there. Where I got crushed, again, is 
paying up for Derrick Henry at 10.2. Not that Derrick Henry did poorly because he still scored 24 points. The problem is he got beat out by three other players. Got beat out by Dalvin Cook, who was a 9,400. And again, Tony Pollard, 4,700 on FanDuel. Even cheaper on FanDuel, 28 points. And David Montgomery, again, 7.3. So 7,300. 20 again another 28 points you know from a roster construction standpoint they were so much cheaper that it just puts you in a very difficult spot in terms of being able to compete because from a pricing standpoint you really struggle to get there and where i kind of fell short uh just in the grand scheme of things i just didn't see where you were fitting in deandre hopkins and Travis Kelsey, whom I was playing on FanDuel. Thing of it was, if you had switched over to Tony Pollard and I wasn't exploring that possibility, you could have fit in uh, both uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Travis Kelsey, which is what the uh, Millie Maker lineup actually ended up doing. So in terms of uh, the actual uh, breakdown... Of uh, the lineup uh, for the uh, for the Millie Maker, uh, you know, you had Hertz, Pollard, uh, Montgomery, uh, Fournette uh, was just cheap. Uh, you know, uh, at fifty five hundred, uh, you know, that was a popular play. Uh, but you could have also played Savon Ahmed again. Injury news. Uh, you know, Ahmed being the Dolphins running back uh, because Miles Gaskin. Uh, couldn't clear COVID uh, precautions. And again, it's going to be a waiver wire target uh, this week. Uh, that made sense uh, numbers-wise. But because of the value you could get at running back because of the late-breaking news, you know, you're able to fit in Marvin Jones at 6,100 and DeAndre Hopkins at 8,600 on FanDuel, who, you know, DraftKings, uh, you couldn't, you could try to squeeze in DeAndre Hopkins. FanDuel, really hard to fee- squeeze in DeAndre Hopkins. So I wasn't on him at all on FanDuel and, you know, didn't take enough time to explore the value options of making this work. Uh, Robert Woods had a big day, 7,400 on FanDuel. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily think of Robert Woods as being a big score, but the way the game script went for the Rams being behind on the Jets. Uh, you know, a lot more passing opportunities, and he was the beneficiary as opposed to Cooper Cup. Usually with the Rams, if it's a passing game for them, it's either Cup or Woods, but they both usually don't get there. So, you know, again, food for thought uh, as you're building out lineups. And again, Travis Kelsey, you know, you want that salary floor at tight end. Uh, Kelsey was the highest scoring tight end, yet again, 8,500, though, on FanDuel. But you wanted that floor. But it, it, the other score was Lance Thomas. Again, 16 points. He would have only cost you 5600 And maybe you find other uh, places to get different. Uh, but on the Millie Maker lineup, you know, uh, Kelsey was in there. And again, along with David Montgomery. You know, get, I got burned again by Montgomery. I'm probably going to get burned again this week because I, I just don't see uh, him getting there, you know, uh, Maybe I should jump on board the train, but I'm not. I'm not there. I'm just not there, and that's probably going to cost me. But uh, 
sometimes you just gotta look at some of the matchups, and I, I, I didn't think Montgomery really had that great of a matchup against uh, the Vikings, and I, and I think it's more the same this week. I just don't think it's a great running matchup against the Jags. Now, I know some of you are gonna be saying, Dwayne, the Jags are terrible. Why wouldn't it be a good matchup against the Bears? Here, here's the thing. The Jags give up points everywhere. It's not just that they're bad on the ground. They're bad covering in pass attempts. Like, the potential, like, you're still going to play David Montgomery in uh, regular fantasy. No doubt. There are going to be touchdown opportunities there. What I'm saying is, from a DFS perspective, his pricing is going to be through the roof this weekend because he's in the 7K range, and he's going to be popular. I know he's going to be popular. But David Montgomery still does not have the long-term effect to be priced at the 7K range that I'm going to feel comfortable with playing him because if I'm playing him in the 7K range, I got to feel very confident that he's going to get there. I had a difficult enough time getting there with uh, Jonathan Taylor, and it took a matchup against a putrid, uh, I mean, really just a putrid uh, Texans run defense. And still, he wasn't necessarily there. So it, 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 it's not a, it's not a gimme. It's not a gimme uh, with some of these matchups. Certainly can happen. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to get there. But, you know, when your past performance over your last 15 games David Montgomery has underperformed expectations uh, over 50% of the time. Like, from a consistency standpoint, that's not a strong suit. You're looking for the higher-tier guys. You're probably looking closer to a 60% conversion rate, which is more in the range of you would see out of Dalvin Cook. Derrick Henry consistently has been either a bust or a boom the entire year. So the 50-50... Goes into Derrick Henry kind of camp, but realistically, when you're putting in your uh, running back for uh, DFS purposes, you want to have a higher conversion rate of uh, over sixty percent. Uh, and again, you're not going to have that much, uh, too many guys, just because uh, 2020 has been all over the place in terms of uh, the running back rankings. I-, I mean, the days of getting that consistency. Uh, with certain bags uh, are long gone. It's like it would have been Kamara this year. It should have been Kamara this year if it wasn't for Taysom Hill. Really would have been Kamara being the most consistent fantasy production back all year. But, you know, it is what it is. All right. So uh, just a quick thoughts on the upcoming slate because uh, we got Saturday and Sunday games. Uh, you know, for the Saturday games, I'm I'm. Looking more towards targeting Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins uh, for that triple header on Saturday. Uh, you know, probably uh, squeezing De- uh, uh, Darren Waller at tight end. Uh, you know, we'll see what the Miami running back situation is. Uh, I'm not entirely certain that, you know, with Miami uh, having the possibility of uh, the playoffs on the line, if they don't try to rush back Miles Gaskin, but if Gaskin can't get cleared, Ahmed is a absolute lock, and for certain, I'm playing just Chase Edmonds this week at running back. 
you know, he's good to go. Uh, so I'm definitely going to be uh, uh, playing him uh, this week. Uh, in terms of the Sunday matchups, you know, this is where it gets kind of interesting because uh, they finally priced up uh, Jalen Hurts across the board. And, uh, you know, I I kind of look at it from the standpoint of, you know, now the value is starting to leave a bit. So I, I don't necessarily think you have to go down that road with uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, the argument made a lot more sense, uh, you know, last week. This week, it's a little harder. It's a little harder to get there, at least from where I sit right now. Uh, maybe some of the news changes later in the week, but I, I just look at it from the standpoint of, you got Patrick Mahomes against Atlanta. You can play Patrick Mahomes naked if you, you want with no receivers if uh, pricing's an issue, but I think you can play Mahomes with Kelsey and be fine with that pairing, or Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, also possible. But if you're not going Mahomes in the passing game, then you absolutely should be having Le'Veon Bell at running back uh for the Chiefs uh, with uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire injured and uh, not being able to kind of go in. Uh, That actually leads into another side commentary that I didn't get to with the Steelers, not signing Le'Veon Bell during the year that that should have happened. But now the Steelers have themselves to blame, but we'll get into that as we get into the the picks uh, at some point, but uh, definitely like Teddy Bridgewater and Carolina against Washington. Uh, he gives you an opportunity to do a run back with Logan Thomas. I, I think there's there's definitely value uh, in some of these plays uh, this week uh, going down that route. So uh, definitely going to be exploring Carolina uh, stacks against Washington. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to run on Washington necessarily because of that uh, Washington all uh, defensive line, but I do think there's going to be opportunities to throw the ball down the field against that secondary. So uh, definitely like Carolina this week. Also like Houston against Cincinnati. Cincinnati got that big win Monday night. They are well overdue for a letdown on Sunday and getting smoked by the Texans. So uh, definitely like the possibility of uh, stacking Deshaun Watson and his uh, receiving options against uh, Cincinnati. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Uh, uh, but yeah, you know, again, with, uh, fantasy and the championship on the line, just the thoughts I would say is be mindful of injury news because it's more of an, a bigger issue with week 16 and 17, but it came up as week 15, with uh, lots of injury news uh, uh, shifting the dynamic in uh, uh, in the in the favor of uh, uh, teams that were able to uh, spring upon that, so yeah, uh, definitely something to bear in mind as we head into the championship uh, weekend. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for news and notes. Uh, the Washington situation with Dwayne Haskins is something to kind of bear in mind because. Dwayne Haskins, uh, it seems, is going to be suspended because he had strippers over for a party. I swear, it's 2020, and these guys still don't get what's going on. I I can't. 
But, you know, it's something to be mindful of because if you have Haskins getting suspended, Alex Smith is out injured with the calf. Kyle Allen still technically is on IR. I don't know what Washington ends up doing. Um, You know, the Giants may end up backdooring their way into that division anyway. But uh, regardless, from a DFS purposes, it does change the dynamic as to who's going to be available to play against Carolina. You know, again, I I look at the running back situation for Carolina. Is Christian McCaffrey coming back? You know, so many factors are playing into the news that it's going to change it on a dime as to how uh, the field's going to go. And, you know, that's where opportunity can be uh, made there, as was seen with uh, the world championships on the DFS slate uh, this past weekend. So uh, more to come. And uh, until next time, folks, uh, we'll get into some NBA talk as well. uh, And and that will be next time. But uh, for now, have a good one and keep your eyes peeled. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.